Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books in philosophy, and they're available to uh, for viewing at thephilosophicalangle.com. And if you'd like to uh, make comment uh, on the program, give us an email at contact at thephilosophicalangle.com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host, Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has an MBA from Wharton and is also an independent venture capitalist out on the West Coast. And good to see you, Rick. And you. And the purpose of the Philosophical Angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily to use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of the conservative position. So the uh, so this week we're going to uh, discuss the New York uh, Assembly, uh, which passed a uh, a liberalization of a abortion law, and uh, under consultation with a doctor, you can uh, the uh, an abortion can be performed right up in, uh, into the birthing process. So. It's liberalized it in the sense that after the first term, after 24 weeks, uh, it just requires consultation with the doctor that um, allows for, uh, if the mother's uh, health is imperiled, uh, the consultation can override uh, the customary abortion procedures, which is up to 24 weeks. But after that, uh, it's been, uh, uh, it has some restrictions, and the restrictions are lightened. And so we're gonna, we're gonna ask if, uh, if the, and, and a lot of people out there are wondering whether this liberalization is going to lead to abortions commonly, uh, uh, to to happen commonly in the second and third trimester. So if that does, uh, we kind of want to understand whether is this. Would this be a, a moral, uh, an immoral action, and does it does it contravene the the tenets of the U.S. Constitution? We understand Wade versus Roe has bring has brought it up in the first trimester as being uh, under law, and uh, but whether this would bring it an, an immorality to the to the to, to the situation, and so I think the first thing we need to underdo it uh, understand is what is morality. And uh, morality is following that which is good. And the good is that which brings us up away from misery. Um, but in seeking truth, and uh, we all know that uh, there's a, a relative frame of reference in any truth. When you seek truth, there's, as William James pointed out, uh, you need three components. One is it needs to be uh, corroborative. You have to be able to corroborate your uh, uh, your evidence, whether uh, it's true or not. You have to be able to verify it. And third, as Einstein told us, we have to have a frame of reference. And in speaking of the good, we have to have the frame of reference of, of both the mother and the baby. And the baby's frame of reference is that, of course, an abortion at any stage is bad. And, but in the mother's frame of reference, I suppose we, uh, we must assume that the abortion is 
presumably good because the baby will cause an inconvenience to her and as, as such she wants to commit to the abortion. Now we kind of have to take a step back here and we've got this liberalization of, of the abortion law and we kind of want, you got you to ask yourself, why do the Democrats have an affinity toward abortion and be against the child or the un, unborn so much? I was struck by the fact when I heard a short video uh, on, or, or an audio cut of the New York State Legislature when they had just passed uh, their abortion, their new abortion law, and they were clapping. And uh, and they were clapping upon the the completion and and, and they, their expansion of this abortion bill and and I was um, and and I I want to I want to give you my opinion as to why they were clapping and I it, it, because they're obviously not clapping because more babies will be killed or aborted in 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 their pregnancy in the mother's pregnancy but they were clapping because they wanted to show themselves as friends of women. And they wanted to represent themselves to, to women that they are politically friendly uh, uh, to uh, to the female, the species. But why? Why would they do that? Uh, and why would they be so friendly to the extent that they would authorize a, a policy of late-term abortion upon consultation with your with the with the doctor? Well, the reason is that they want to show themselves as friends of of women is that. Women are now considered a more a minority, an oppressed class of people, and it, it and to them it's obvious that it is white men that are uh, oppressing these women, and these these men uh, oppress women because they uh, because they are inherently bad in their hearts, and they are uh, and if they're inherently bad, um, Democrats should need to help them. And one of the aspects of, of being bad is is the oppression of the minority, and uh, and in this case it's it's women, and this uh, and white white men in particular oppress minorities, uh, and and they do this because it's in their nature. Um, so the the New York State politicians know that they must come to the rescue of women who are being treated badly by men and so I think that's why they uh, they they clapped upon completion of their their bill so uh, so how do we rectify this this dichotomy that's kind of come about about how to, uh, about how do we come to terms with it whether it's immoral or immoral and and whether um, abortion after the first term is can be considered and we have to recognize though first in that there's an inherent contract between the mother and the unborn child which is established once the mother realizes that she's pregnant as time passes and the unborn grows so does the the contract uh, matures between them and the contract or, or agreement uh, is as follows the mother uh, I will nurse I will nourish you my unborn and you will become healthy and 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 be my genetic carrier uh, into the next generation and that is the the right of the mother to receive that genetic carrier and it is her obligation to nourish the uh, the unborn and and the baby is 
uh, will have the same right and obligation. Uh, he will have the right to receive nourishment and he will have the obligation that he will become healthy and carry her genetics into the next generation. So that's as those are one of the uh, essential components to a to a contract to have both parties have an obligation and a, and a right. So both parties are receiving goodness here and we can assume that a contract has been established because it, it meets the criteria of an implied contract. An observer can see that a, a voluntary or intent to offer acceptance and consideration become established and the offer is that the mother lets the baby grow and, 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 uh, and mature and the acceptance is that the baby wants to live and it grows and, uh, and, and the intent is that the, con the conception have to under happened under voluntary circumstances. And the consideration of the contract is that the mother receives the genetic continuum and the baby receives the fulfillment of life. Uh, so uh, when is a contract established? Well, it's established at the very least when the baby can be an independent human being outside of the, outside of the womb. Uh, and whenever uh, that may be, and, and generally I understand that and, uh, to be around 22, 23 weeks, uh, that has to be considered at that at that point uh, to be a, a human being that can can exist outside the womb. But we can make the the contract uh, the, the case for that the contract is established as soon as practical after uh, knowledge of the pregnancy. And some people would even think that that's when uh, the uh, abortion uh, would be should, is immoral at at uh, any time after. Uh, uh, the the knowledge of the pregnancy, and so, but we're going to leave that argument for uh, aside for now because that's uh, not really germane to uh, to the New York Assembly's uh, uh, law that was passed. So I think it's pretty clear that late-term abortion or worse after-term abortion are, are clearly a violation of the contractual right of the baby, and and further, late-term abortion is clearly immoral in that it doesn't seek that which is good for at least one of the two participants in the contract. So now we have to ask ourselves whether it, it violates the legalities of the Constitution uh, of the United States, and, and I, I think it's blatantly immoral that it's easy, it, it, it's easy to see that it does violate the very basic uh, uh, tenets uh, uh, that are noted in the, in the U.S. Constitution, particularly in the Bill of Rights. Therefore, this, the central issue is whether the unborn is a, an individual separate from the mother, and I think we can pretty much establish that uh, it, it is. And uh, um, so, what part of the U.S. Constitution does it violate? And first, first of all, in Article One, Section Ten, uh, the state may not impair the obligation of contracts. So we've established that there's a there's a contract involved here. So um, it uh, uh, the consultation with a with uh, with a physician to abort just because of uh, it's an inconvenience uh, to the to the health of the mother. Um, I don't think it flies. So the also in, in Amendment Four, the right of the people to be secure in their in their persons. This clearly violates that uh, the baby is a person, and. Uh, and also in Amendment 5, um, uh, no person shall be uh, deprived of life, liberty, and, and property without due process of law. Obviously, the, the, the baby's being deprived of, uh, of life and liberty. And the, uh, 
and in, uh, our, in um, the Seventh uh, Amendment, uh, no cruel or unusual punishments inflicted. Obviously, death is an, is a, an unusual, cruel and unusual punishment. And in uh, Amendment 14, uh, no, no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, and property without due process of law. Obviously, all are violated. So I'd like to ask Rick what he thinks about uh, this this new law from the from the New York State Legislature and signed by Cuomo. Well, several observations. Let's consider initially the enormity of this phenomenon. Um, uh, there have been over 60 million abortions performed in the United States since the 60s. Uh, so this number, if I were to take the extreme view that all of these uh, are essentially killing human beings, the, the death toll exceeds uh, World War II, the, the uh, Chinese communist atrocities, Stalin's atrocities, all of that put together. Okay, so that just by way of frame of reference, that's how large a phenomenon this potentially is. The second observation, and I find this very, very disturbing, uh, is that is the deafening silence from the mainline Protestant churches. I've seen very little commentary. The Catholic Church is different. Okay, there's been plenty of commentary from the Catholic Church, and you know, brave commentary. Um, but from the mainline Protestant churches, very little, very little in the news. So that begs the question, I mean, to what extent have these churches be, lost so much confidence in their beliefs, in their core beliefs, that they won't even comment on a phenomenon this extreme? All right. Everything, everyone I know has seen the tape of um, Governor North from Virginia describing exactly what would happen in the event a baby is, survives an abortion and is born, and namely that the child would be kept comfortable while the parents and the doctor decided what to do. That is to say, kill the child. It's just shocking at, at every level. Right. Uh, and this from a group of people that uh, famously helped to eliminate infanticide uh, in a number of colonies. So the you know, Protestant missionaries and other missionaries uh, were instrumental in helping to turn the tide away from infanticide as it was practiced years ago in, a, in, in several countries, actually. Uh, so that that's one very disturbing phenomenon. The other thing, which obviously serves as a kind of backdrop to all this, is the elevation of sexual liberty above all other goods, including human life. So we've now reached a point in this country, and probably other European countries as well, where the the need to have this sexual liberation all the time, anywhere, is so great that it even uh, trumps uh, sustaining life. 
human life. Uh, and we've seen a steady progression toward this end over many years, ever since the 60s. Uh, so we've kind of reached uh, you know, an absurd conclusion, if you will, um, of you know, what seems to be an inevitable trend. Um, the third thing I'd like to point out, and I find some hope in this, is that there's already been a reaction in certain states against what New York's done. Uh, Arkansas is passing laws that uh, will make abortion harder, not easier. Other laws or other uh, states rather are, are looking to do the same. So I, I think uh, in line with the doctrine of states' rights, you're seeing a sorting out of the states on this, on this key issue. And I envision a time in the not too distant future when you have kind of coastal states where abortion is on demand effectively at any time, right up to delivery. And uh, Southern and Midwestern and other states uh, where it's even more difficult to get an abortion uh, than it is currently. Uh, and people will start to embrace one philosophy uh, and vote for their, or another, and vote with their feet. Uh, because you have to consider, you know, do I want to be associated with people in a state where they tolerate killing, well, essentially infanticide? I mean, that they, 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 where their moral compass allows for this, and they actually vote in favor of representatives who promote this. Uh, or do I want to go somewhere else where it's not allowed because morally I can't tolerate it? So I think there's a there's probably going to be a, an enormous sorting out process over time. It won't happen immediately, uh, but you're going to see a conservative states become more conservative and liberal states become more liberal. A, a trend we've seen already, and this and this will essentially uh, force the issue. And by the way, um, in the case of Washington State here. There are other, are other allied efforts going on pertaining to sex education. There's a bill being discussed uh, at the legislative level, and you know, frankly, Washington State is as blue as they come. All branches of government are controlled by progressives. Okay, both houses in the legislature, the governorship, Supreme Court, everything. And the the bill now being discussed is to introduce what they call comprehensive sex education at the grammar school level. Okay, and what this means is essentially programming kids to believe they have sexual rights in grammar school. All right, so uh, there's another element to this which lines up neatly with this elevation, almost absurd elevation of sexual liberty that has been a trend in the country for years now. Wow. Okay. Um, and this connection between sexual liberty and abortion is uh, is being run through the educational system. Yes. Okay. All right, Rick. Thanks very much for uh, uh, for this, and we'll see everybody next week on the philosophical angle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. 
be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.